This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. Let's get right to the consumer news from the past week. Interest rates stayed put last week, so they will remain at 5% for the rest of 2023. So the big question now is, are we going to see some relief in 2024? An exec with the TD Bank says Canada's central bank will have to start thinking about cutting interest rates soon, with unemployment rates on the rise and spending in the economy going down. Still, TD's Director of Economics, James Orlando, says for now, though, it makes sense to keep the rates steady to be on the safe side and make sure we don't get any more waves of inflation. And we're definitely seeing that inflation in the food we buy at the grocery store. And a new report put together by four universities in Canada has found that next year we can expect food costs to be up by as much as four and a half percent. That is slower than the pace we saw this year, though, when it comes to inflation. But still, this report predicts a family of four will spend around $700 more on food next year to almost $16,300. So how is the province doing in its quest to convince more healthcare workers to move to B.C.? Well, they say they're making progress. It's all part of their $1 billion multi-year plan to attract more doctors, nurses, and other healthcare practitioners. In their first yearly update on the plan, they reported the number of foreign-educated nurses newly registered here in the province this year was more than double what it was last year, 578. And overall, more than 6,200 new nurses were registered this year in BC. The government says next year's focus will uh, include expanding upon a program that goes into high schools and supports kids who may want to go into the field of healthcare when they graduate. Health Canada is expecting the global shortage of three diabetes drugs, including, yes, of course, Ozembic, is going to last into the first quarter of the new year. There's going to be lots of shortages. They say it'll take time for the drug companies to build up the supplies. The problem is those drugs also help people lose weight. So everybody wants it. Health Canada is recommending that prescribers not start new patients on the drugs unless there is a clinical reason to do so. Babbel, the app which helps you learn a new language, is out with its 2023 list of the top words that the news anchors, the politicians, and other public figures struggled with the most. Making the list this year was the name of an actor who had a huge year as the star of the big summer hit Oppenheimer. He was also in Peaky Blinders, of course. I'm talking, of course, about the actor Killian Murphy. Uh, His name is spelt with a C, so a lot of people struggle with that one. And it is uh, Irish, and people say silly. And also on the list, SZA. She's the multiple Grammy Award nominee whose uh, name is spelled S-Z-A, but it's pronounced SZA. Babel language instructor Malcolm Massey says, as you learn a new word, it's important not to stress perfection, but to practice those words again and again to get it right. And if you're a video game fan, the highly anticipated trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6 has been leaked online. 
Gamers are going nuts, gives them their first look at the upcoming edition of the cult classic video game series, Grand Theft Auto. This 90-second teaser reveals the next installment that's due out in 2025, not even next year, but the year after. It'll be set in the Miami-inspired Vice City and... What's different about this new Grand Theft Auto is Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to star a female protagonist named Lucia. So it's going to be Lucia who's running over everybody in Grand Theft Auto 6. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, we're going to talk real estate. We'll hear from John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com, about what you can expect for 2024 in the Lower Mainland. Uh, and he knows what he's talking about. We'll talk to John when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time to talk real estate. And as you head into the holidays, I mean, real estate is not the kind of thing you don't want to be shopping for a new house on Christmas Eve. But it's one of those things, if you need to move, you need to move. But it's also a time when you should think about the year ahead. And maybe if you're thinking of selling a place, you might want to think about what's 2024 going to look like? How could I get my property uh, ready for sale? It's not something you should rush into and it's something you should think about uh, months in advance. And the person to talk to is our friend, John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smart Point. He works with 2% Realty. He's online at johnnysmartpoint.com. Dot com. You can give him a call at 604-612-0080 or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And John is with us now. Hi, John. How are you? Hi, Martin. I'm doing great. Good to, good to be with you again. Yeah, and it, it is a funny time of the year because uh, I, I know I have a friend who who bought a place and it was a pre-sale situation. And so we, there were some changes with the dates. And he's moving in about three days before Christmas, which, uh, which is good and bad, I guess. It'll be fun for him once they're moved in. But, but Christmas and real estate is a sort of a strange time, isn't it? It can be. Yeah. And I've been involved in situations where my clients take possession or even I've had offers happen Christmas Eve in the past. And, you know, I always have to remember what an exciting time it is for, you know, for people like that making a move, not just in terms of the emotion of it, but just all the everything trying to fit everything into one day. So I sympathize with your friend, but it sounds like a pretty good Christmas present to finally get his pre-sale and take possession just before the holiday. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice, and and also when you talk about uh, you know the Christmas season, you always think about the new year. So I thought we could talk a little bit about twenty twenty four, what you're kind of hoping for uh, in terms of real estate, and also what people should do because now is the time when you're when you're thinking ahead, and uh, and it's always a good time to talk to to somebody like you. Uh, to go to johnnysmartpoint.com because um, it's important to be prepared for the year ahead, isn't it? Well, I think for a lot of people, it seems to be, Martin, because, you know, when I think about what I've been doing these last two and three weeks in particular, in terms of, you know, meeting new clients and getting called out, you know, for appointments, it's which I always love, love to meet, you know, potential sellers who want to pick my brain and maybe meet and interview me, that sort of thing. But, 
that's exactly what I've been when dealing with the last few weeks is people are saying, hey, John, you know, we're, we know that this isn't quite our time. We've got family things going on in the holidays. We understand that the market probably slows down during Christmas and the New Year's time and that sort of thing. But we have aspirations to, to move, to make a move. You know, some people are moving right out of town, upsizing, downsizing, the whole gamut. And, and that seems that those are the questions I'm getting, Martin. Let's talk about what it might look like and what the timing might look like if, if we were to put our house on the market maybe in February or maybe in March. What do you think of these dates? And then oftentimes I'm meeting people and they're saying, well, you know, I met a really great couple uh, the other day and we're, we're talking about, well, they want to refinish their hardwood floor before, you know, they sell because that seems to be the weak part of the chain with pets and all that sort of thing. Or how do I stage my house or so a lot of questions about timing, what the market might be doing in the spring, but you hit it right on the head, Martin. I think being prepared is always is always key when you go into a, a process as important as, as buying or selling real estate. And, and I think it's important to remember that if you do want to set up any of these things, whether it be tradespeople, repair people, painters, you need a little bit of leeway time over. So, you know, over the holidays. So I would, yeah, I think it's just a wise move if you're thinking about hitting the market sometime in the spring maybe you've got a date set maybe you don't to you know to talk to somebody and at least start lining up your you know lining things up and getting things ready so that when you hit the market you do it in a prepared state uh, to your maximum benefit so that your results can reflect that Right. And what's your advice to people? You talk about hardwood floors, getting the hardwood floors looking good. Are there some things that uh, aren't worth doing if you're selling the property or, or are there some things that are essential to do to get the property ready for resale? You know, it depends on the house. I have a quick rule of thumb. Don't spend a dollar unless you're going to solve a problem that's important or get a dollar plus in return. So, uh, you know, sometimes if there are deficiencies in a home, you've got evidence of former leaks or problems you want to fix those things uh, bad smells mold problems issues things that don't need to be broken but they are you want to clean all those sorts of things up and that's an obvious part of the spectrum and, and on the other far end of the spectrum you want to be careful not to start guessing what someone else might want uh, you know i've had people say to me john our cabinets are, are are dark color they're in great shape should we paint them white we hear that's the trend well Typically, I would say no to that because you don't really know what the next people are going to want. Um, there may be some truth in it, but I would prefer to, you know, to, to focus on the things that are really going to give you some benefit when it comes to selling your house. So again, when I'm meeting people right now, we're talking about presentation. A lot of times it's about timing, but in this one particular case, it came down to we're going to do the floors. What should we do? So I stay out of things about, you know, colors and, and decor as much as I can, because that's not my expertise. And I do have people for that. But um, in terms of timing and getting a product ready so that your strengths really shine on the market, you know, whatever you're offering that might be a benefit over some of the other properties you've seen on the market that you're anticipating will be your competition in the spring. You want to make sure those are polished up really, really well, because that attracts the right audience and the people who are willing to, you know, to really appreciate what you bring to the uh, to the market so each house is different you want to prepare it in an efficient way you don't want to spend more money than you have to or time or energy but of course you know preparation on the market's important and it's never too early to start thinking about that if if spring is your target mm -hmm. john carlson with some great advice uh john uh, is online at johnnysmartpoint.com that's two n's in johnny uh, J-O-H-N-N-Y, smartpoint.com. You can give them a call, 604-612-0080. Uh, 
Uh, and an email works great too. John at johnnysmartpoint.com. And we're talking about the year ahead and uh, coming up. I want to get uh, all your thinking about 2024 and uh, how people can prepare for that if they have a property and they're thinking of selling it. But right now, I want to talk about something that that I'm starting to hear more about because the market is changing very slowly, uh, Mark. You, I mean, it's it 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 uh, it's very uh, a, a slow, gradual kind of uh, transition that we're going through, but. Um, I'm hearing more and more about lowball offers. And uh, you were saying earlier that it's something you're starting to notice a little bit more now, these sort of people coming in with really lowball offers. And how do you deal with them? Yes, you know, that's that's a really timely topic. And the market has changed a little bit. Buyers feel they have a little more leverage. And you know, I think the overall feeling on the part of buyers who are going through the financing process are realizing, hey, you know, boy, these are these are some big numbers we're looking at, and we better be prudent when it comes time to buy. So, uh, and I think a little bit of this, the shift is now is on the other foot, where buyers have the ability to, to, you know, to negotiate harder, so to speak. And and it's kind of funny because we see it. I mean, it's it's always a, a part of of the real estate business. When you you know, I do a lot of listings. I work with home sellers. Typically, my buyers are people whose homes I've already sold or worked with on the sale or am working with on the sale. Uh, so I see a lot of offers come in on my properties. And right now it is a trend. Um, and I, I have this conversation with all of my sellers. Right now we talk, when we go on the market, we talk about scenarios that we may be seeing for showings, for viewings, the questions we might get, the requests we might get for access to you know appraisers or inspectors or family members of the potential buyers and i try to prepare my my clients for you know what we're going to experience these next say 30 days on the market whatever it might be and one of the things i'm adding to that discussion right now is 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 the lowball offer and, and lowball is kind of a a term that kind of depends I've, I've seen offers that i thought were fantastic close to list price and people have said oh why did you give me a lowball offer on the other hand there are offers that are i mean i received one i think it was the the, uh, the biggest lowball statistically I've seen in many years on one of my listings, it was almost 25% under the list price. And uh, that was the one we actually announced as a sale the other day, and it went for right up at the price. So just goes to show you, if you hold tight, uh, you don't have to necessarily, you know, uh, get worried about a lowball offer. But yes, I'd, I'd like to take some time and actually maybe explain the process of how you do deal with a lowball offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so, so, I mean, at what point do you just, tell someone to just go away. And I guess you have to be polite, <laughs> but at what point do you just say, this is ridiculous. Uh, I don't want to do business with this. You know, great question. And I remind myself, it's not up to me. I'm the realtor. I'm the one that advises and a, and a seller can decide, but they look to me oftentimes for some good advice. And I've been through this scenario a number of times. And I would say, Martin, if you, if you and I are working together and we've got an offer on your home and maybe I, I were to call you and say, Hey, you know, that showing we had the other day, they had all those questions and they were asking you about timing and when you might want, might want to move and all that stuff. Well, they've submitted an offer, Martin, you know, however, I'm emailing it to you now. Let's discuss this. The price isn't exactly where we want it. And, and you know, it might be a couple hundred thousand dollars under the list price. So a seller, you could understand, Martin, you might go, oh, good, an offer's coming in. And then right away, you, you hear about the number, you see the number and you go, oh, wait a minute, this is just a complete waste of time. And so the first thing I would say, you know, to a potential client is, yeah, it might be a waste of time, but we don't know that yet. And, you know, it it usually is at least an opportunity, you know, to to see if something can be done. An offer is... 
you know, in my opinion, you know, one way of looking at it is that is that potential buyers already, you know, three quarters of the way in the bag. They like the house. They like the location. Uh, they can see themselves living there and they're making an effort to do so. The only you know thing missing really is the terms, the, the, the price, which is the big one. So I would say the first thing is let's just remember that this is an opportunity. We won't spend any more time on it than, than we need to. But let's let's explore it first and, you know, and see if there's any if there's any potential there to actually get a good result, because Martin, I have seen many times where people come in with an offer that seems to be really, you know, lower and advantageous from a buyer's point of view. And, you know, we kind of look at this and go, oh, my gosh, but we take, you know, we, we take a reasoned approach to it. We respond in an appropriate way. And then sure enough, within a matter of hours, days or a week, those people come back with a much more serious offer um, and we do end up getting a deal put together. So, you know, I hear things like Martin would say, you know, well, we had to ask so or we had to try for this price and buyers hey, there's nothing wrong with that in the market like this. So I would say the first thing, Martin, if you and I were working together uh, and an offer came in that seemed like you were like, "Ooh, this is a gut punch. I'd say, OK, well, let's just put all that aside right now. In fact, we might even just want to put the price aside right now and look at the other terms of the offer to see if this thing is even worth look, you know, even worth working with. But I would say that would be the first step. Remember, you're in control. You're the seller. Nobody's going to, you know, ask you or force you to sign something that you're not happy with. But it might be an opportunity uh, with a real qualified buyer. Uh, who might offer you dates that you really like, and the scenario might be quite attractive, except for the price. And I would submit that a, a price on a contract in some ways is just a number, and th that's one of the easiest things to change, you know, in an mm -hmm. offer. So when you get an offer that's a low ball, first take a deep breath and then <laughs> assess it in all other ways other than price and see, hey, is this thing worth working on? And then there are ways you can respond. Right, right. Yeah, there's no point in being, you know, uh, you know uh, offended you because it's all about uh, negotiation and talking. Some more great advice from John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. He's our guest on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon. Uh, you know him well. You know where he lives on the internet at johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, you can also phone John at 604-612-0080 or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Well, uh, as we've been talking about, the market is changing. It is shifting. And when we come back, we'll hear more about uh, what John thinks uh, is in store for 2024, what he's hoping for, what what's on his Christmas wish list for real estate in the Lower Mainland. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong and we're talking real estate with our friend John Carlson. Johnny Smartpoint. Uh, that's where he lives online, johnnysmartpoint.com. You can uh, send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Give him a call, 604-612-0080. And uh, we've been talking about uh, the year ahead and the changing market conditions. And one of the, I, I don't know if symptom is the right word, but one of the factors that we're seeing now that we did not see a year ago or two years ago when the market in the lower mainland was just on fire 
was uh, low ball offers. And uh, John, you were talking about how you're starting to see these more and more, uh, these offers that come in much below the asking price. And uh, oftentimes they seem kind of laughable, but as we heard, uh, you think that they're, they're always worth considering and it doesn't, pay anybody any good uh, to to dismiss them or to be offended. Um, so let's continue on with that. Like say you're you're selling a property and uh, you get this lowball offer and as you say you you take it seriously, you talk to the client about it, but what's your what are your options dealing with that at this point? Yeah, yeah, great question. And uh, you're right. Uh, not all lowball offers are worth uh, pursuing, let's just say, but at least investigating um, and seeing where they go because they can go somewhere. And again, I recognize that this time of year, it's kind of like getting a, a visit from the Grinch or a, a lump of coal <laughs> in your stocking when you get an offer and it's like, whoa, what's going on here with the price? But, you know, as we discussed, seller, you're in control. There's no point in, in getting emotional about it. Let's explore and see if there's any other uh, merit in the offer. And perhaps that number on the top of page one is something we can scratch out, put our own number in there. And get an agreement by way of initials and and that's how it works so i would say there's there's two really good uh, approaches in terms of responding to a lowball offer and i don't make any decisions i talk to my clients but so oftentimes i'll say hey what about this well how about this as an idea maybe you know why don't we i mean what's the point of showing our cards uh if somebody throws an offer and it's really really low you know in respect to maybe market value or the list price do you really want to get in a negotiation with these guys starting at that point? Maybe it's best if we just kind of hold, you know, everything close to our best, but we just simply, you know, say, Hey, you know, maybe we've got a bit of a difference of opinion here. And, you know, if that's the case, it doesn't really make sense for us to, uh, you know, maybe tie ourselves up in a negotiating process with, with your clients talking to the other agent. Um, because we do have other interests brewing in the background and, you know, we don't want to be, you know, tied up in a negotiation. If, if there's this this big of a difference, you know, of opinion. Right. And at that point, I might leave it open to the other age and then just ask them, oh, right, is this a difference of opinion or are we, am I dealing with a negotiating process here? Because that would be helpful. And, you know, my job as an agent, when I'm, whenever I'm negotiating on behalf of the client, you know, and especially in this example, a lowball is to, you know, kind of get an understanding of where these people are coming from. And the more questions I ask and the more I learn about you know, what the motivation might be of the buyers. And, and maybe I can figure out through this, you know, quizzing um, a little bit more info to give to my clients so they can understand their leverage position. Uh, that's that's a big part of it. But again, sometimes a lowball offer comes in and you say, hey, you know what? Thank you. We really appreciate the offer. Looks like there's a difference of opinion. Given that we have other interests out there, we don't really want to get tied up in this right now, but we encourage you to come back with something that's more substantial. You know, if it we're, we're wide open. We're all ears. You know, let's see what we can do. So the thank you, no right. thank you approach. If they're not serious, they go away. If they are, um, you'll also hear from them again. You can feel them. And that changes the entire dynamic of the negotiation when they're now coming back after throwing a low number at you and saying, oh, well, uh, you know, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Then you know you're potentially in a situation that might have a good outcome. Right. And I guess somebody makes an offer, even if it's a lowball offer. Um, that's a still a big commitment. They want that property generally. And so that's, that's actually a good place to start because they want that property. They're willing to, to buy this property. And uh, that's a good place to start. That's right. Like I say, they could already be three quarters of the way in the bag. We're just talking about the number. 
But there's another kind of lowball offer, and these are, you know, and I don't say this in a bad way, maybe an opportunist, someone who might be an investor or someone who says, wait a minute, you know, I, I recognize there are properties out there that might not sell right now. And there could be people who, you know, who's the bank's knocking at the door saying, hey, if we don't get payment, we're going to take conduct of sale. So you can't really blame somebody for, you know, coming in with a lowball offer. And these are other people. This is the other side of the coin, Martin, where it doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to put a deal together with these people unless you're prepared to sell under market value. And and so that's why you don't spend a whole lot of time. You investigate this this offer. You see if it can go anywhere. But oftentimes, Martin, it can't. And all you can do is say, you know, good luck to you in the purchase process. That's not where our heads are at. You know, we've got comfort that we're going to be able to do better than that. So thanks, but no thank you. Um, and, and you're never going to put a deal together with one of those kind of buyers unless you meet their terms. So I explain that to my clients. You never know. A deal's never done until it's unconditional and you've got a deposit and trust. But when a lowball offer comes in, either it's workable or it's not. If it's not, you thank them, you move on, and you focus on your other leads. Uh, but if it is workable, the dates might be good and other terms that you really like. You can say thanks, but no thanks. But then the other option might be, you know, I would call it countering with confidence. If I'm a seller and I know that, you know, maybe these these people have seen our house three times, they've been back, uh, they've given us all the signals that, boy, they really love it. You know, maybe I've been there during some of the viewings and I'm hearing some of the comments and I'm saying to my sellers, hey, you know, these guys really seem to love your home. Well, sometimes when you get a lowball offer, you simply respond with confidence and you say, hey, here's, here's a counter offer. We're going to give you 24 hours to think about it. We like all the other terms of this offer. However, the price is is just not right. Uh, you give them something to say yes to. And you don't just do it in a verbal, uh, Martin. And I've had you know clients say, well, why don't we just call them? They don't want to go through the process. Let's just call them and throw a number at them. And I, I always caution against that. And I say, because it's, it's so easy for us to verbally call them with a, with a number. Uh, how easy is it for them to be to throw another number at us? What we need to do is we need to put this in writing. We're going to change the price. We're going to initial it. We're going to forward it back to them, give them a comfortable, fairly quick period of time to respond to it. We're going to give them something to say yes to. And hopefully we can give them the impression that if they're not going to say yes, somebody else likely will. And when you put something in front in front of someone that they want that way, you know, I've been there myself when I'm looking at things I want to buy and I go, oh, gosh, do I really want to let this thing get away? And there it is. And you can simply say yes and get the deal done. That would be the second way I would, I would, you know, be very thankful for the offer. Hey, maybe we've got a difference of opinion here, but this is where we're at. We appreciate your offer. Maybe you make a little gesture, you come down in price a little bit, depending on, you know, how you think you're sitting, but you give them an offer that you as a seller would be very happy if they, they accepted. You initial it, you put a deadline on it and you say, there it is. Good news. You can secure this house with initials here and here and it's done. So that would be the second way to deal with an offer that comes in where, you know, the price is no good, but other terms are, you just try to change the price. Right. Very, very smart. Put it in writing. I, I love that idea. And uh, I think that's just another example of why you need uh, a really experienced realtor on your side. Somebody who's seen every single market condition there has been in the lower mainland because you know you've been doing this for for a, a lot of years you've sold over a thousand properties and uh, if people want to uh, get some advice and work with John Carlson they can go to johnnysmartpoint.com online or uh, send him an email john at johnnysmartpoint.com and the phone number is 604-612-0080 and uh, like I say um, 
you, you've been doing this a long time and you've seen all these different market conditions. You've seen, uh, you know, there was a time, I guess, two years ago where you'd never get a low ball offer because you wouldn't even open the email probably because the market was on fire. <laughs> but now it's, it's a bit more nuanced, a little more complicated. And, uh, you know, looking ahead to the new year, John, I mean, I, you you always say you don't like to predict, but what are you hoping for? What do you see in 2024 in real estate in the Lower Mainland? You know, there's there have been a lot of changes in the, in the industry that are just starting to take effect. And this is going to be a year where, uh, you know, I think we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to have to wait to see uh, what happens. But if you look at the past, I mean, there are some trends that, that, you, that, you, that we can see to um, to kind of get a gauge of where things are going. Number one would be the big financing change. And we've talked about this many times in the, you know, on the program that interest rate changes affect the ability to purchase properties and the willingness to, to spend money, basically. So we are still seeing a little bit of a dampening effect of that happening. And right now I'm hearing from the feds that they're going to hold the interest rates. And there's talk that there may be interest rate um, uh, reductions coming in even in the spring. So overall, when I look at the big picture, I think, okay, at least we looks as if we're going to have a fairly stable climate in terms of the, the borrowing uh, sector. And that's, it plays a big part of, you know, real estate here. And then, you know, as I've said before, the year is kind of determined, defined by the spring, it, the spring market, when people jump into the, into the end, into the, the buying process, that really fuels, you know, the, the, the engine, so to speak, of how the, the market's going to play out throughout the year. In other words, in, in really busy times, we had markets where buyers entered the market in February, March, and April to find a very limited supply. And, you know, when there's a lot of buyers and few sellers, obviously you get multiple offer situations, you get prices pushed up. And then the neighbor says, hey, my, the guy down the street that just sold, you know, last month, he asked this and he got, I'm going to ask even more. And then sure enough, that home sells. So long story short, in the, in the busy times of the, you know, the, the high markets when we were seeing price increases as a fairly regular thing month after month, if you sold in February and you tried to go and buy, you were selling a little bit too low. However, now that we're seeing a little bit of the opposite thing happen, our sales are under the 40-year averages right now. So the purchases are not as, as, as many as there were. And the listings now are starting to build up to where we're at a much more balanced market. When you have a more balanced market, it, it tends to be obviously a little bit more, more stable. So I don't think we're going to have an issue of oversupply and low demand, which would lead to the kind of price drops that that you know some people are predicting on the other hand i think that we're going to have a fairly stable supply of new listings as people finally you know feel accustomed to this market and feel maybe comfortable making that move they've been thinking about for a little while with the with the interest rates that are pretty stable and i think that the buyers are going to be you know also kind of like a goldilocks market if you will so we're going to have probably a fairly balanced market um, supply and demand, you know, rule the roost, so to speak, in this business. And we're going to have to see how many properties hit the market in the spring, what the confidence is like on the part of the sellers in terms of feeling good about, number one, being able to sell for a price they'd be happy with, and number two, being able to find another property to move into. And then the confidence levels on the parts of the buyers in terms of, can I afford to pay the prices that are being asked? Can I get mortgage approval? Uh, you know, so I think the, to answer your question, a long winded way, Martin, I think the market that we're going to get is kind of the market that we all want to see in the spring. And that will be a balanced market where a seller can put a property on and get a fair price that makes them happy and also gives them the ability to go out and find another property that they want and they don't have to settle for. So that's my Christmas wish list for 2024. <laughs> 
A little bit of balance. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's good for everybody. A little bit of balance. And uh, hopefully uh, that's what we'll see in 2024. Well, John, always a pleasure. Uh, John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. J-O-H-N-N-Y smartpoint.com. Uh, you can find them uh, by email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com or give them a call, 604-612-0080. Well, thanks for talking to us, John, and uh, have a great holiday. And we will talk to you uh, many times in the new year. Thanks so much. Likewise, and all the best to you and the listeners out there. Merry Christmas to everyone. Right on. John Carlson, Johnny Smart Point. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, it is a massive grocery store coming to downtown Vancouver. I'll tell you about that. Also, McDonald's is taking a page out of the Starbucks playbook as they try to steal some of their business. I've got that story and a lot more when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. I don't have to tell you that food at the grocery store is getting more expensive all the time. And according to a new report, it's estimated it's going to cost us an extra 700 bucks a year to feed a family of four in Canada in 2024 compared to 2023. So that means the average family of four will be paying about 16,300 bucks minimum to put food on the table. The 14th annual food price report also says we might see some relief soon though, because it predicts we may see some price wars between the grocery stores in the next year. And if you've been waiting for that new gigantic Loblaw grocery store to open downtown, good news. The 40,000 foot city market is set to open in late January, early February at the post building. That's where the old post office used to be on Georgia street. And it's now the ground floor of the Amazon office tower. The new city market was originally due to open this past September but uh, construction delays have pushed the opening date to the new year. They're hoping construction will be completely done by the end of this month, and then they'll start training the new staff before they open the doors. They want to spend about three or four weeks on that. It'll be a big operation with one side of the store being dedicated to fresh and ready-to-eat options with a long list of in-house made dishes, including pizza by the slice, more than a dozen soups and curries, sausages, and a carving station with seasonal roasted options. Even the ground beef at the grocery store will be ground on site. Among the other store features are full-time cake decorators, two big cheese coolers, with international and local options and an indigenous products display. The city market also wants to make sure that as much of the food as possible that enters the store is actually being eaten. To that end, they're partnering with the food bank while also using an app called Flash Food, which allows the stores to sell food that's just about to expire at really big discount prices. Right now, the plan is to have the place open every day from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And it seems like a lot of supermarkets now are concentrating on ready-to-eat food. A lot of them actually have a restaurant area where you can eat right on site. 
maybe grab an afternoon snack. Well, McDonald's has decided they would like some of that afternoon business. So they are testing a new format that would allow them to serve all sorts of complicated and customizable drinks. Those are like your pumpkin spice lattes and your half-calf things and soy milk and all that stuff. Also light snacks like muffins and cookies. Basically, they want to steal some of that Starbucks business. People who just want to pick me up, especially in the afternoon. McDonald's says it will open 10 Cosmics restaurants through the first half of next year. There's nothing planned uh, for BC, though, at this point. Most of these new ones will be in Texas, but if they're a success, we will probably see them here very, very soon. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. We are here 2 o'clock every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 4. Thanks in a very large part to our producer, Leo Coelho, and we'll see you next week. The news on CKNW is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.